Welcome to Stepside with Joel Johnson and me, Matt Howie. Each week we talk about truck news, truck-related items, our favorite trucks, everything trucks. Trucks, trucks, trucks. Let's go. Trucks, trucks, trucks. God, I love trucks. trucks. So fun. Have you been watching any of the SEMA coverage? A little bit. Honestly, I'm not up to speed. My plan originally was to take this morning to look at some stuff, and then I've been in bed working on... <laughs> docs all morning but oh, it's it looks fun i think it's worth noting to regular people what we're talking about estima is the like what specialty equipment manufacturers association they're doing the annual show it used to just be people with bob's four by four parts would go to vegas see the new four by four parts from ranch over suspension and then make an order for the next year for his customers etc but now it's kind of like today is actually the public people day i think the first time they've done it there's a lot of like car shows there with cars they built over the last few months and things like that. But but yeah, there's roundups. There's a million. If you just search SEMA 2022 on YouTube and then put in whatever you want to see, you put dash Mustangs, dash Broncos. <laughs> like there's an hour of some guy walking around in dead silence in 4K with a steady cam. Sometimes it's like some with a phone and it's terrible, but like often they're like pretty pro some of the nicest ones was these two canadian guys that do like jdm stuff called speed academy i think they're in toronto they just have these silent videos they're like an hour long of just wandering the floor <laughs> it's just like fascinating because there's just supras and mega trucks and yeah it's fun like i was i was just like zoning out to it on the couch yesterday it's hours. funny because all of my automotive friends like the journalist friends are that are at sema this year are like Oh, I got to go to SEMA again this year. I hate this show. And then every other person that I know that's there is like, this is fucking awesome. There's so much cool shit. And I have been there once. And yes, it is set, you know, like the history is like CES. It's supposed to be for like buyers to meet suppliers. But the difference between like a CES style trade show and SEMA is all of these builds that are one-off, really cool, over-the-top builds that you get to see in real life. And that is the common currency of each booth is like, look at the crazy build we did. Seema's fucking cool. I don't give a shit what anybody, like what a hundred cranky journalists say. It's like really, really fun show. And especially too, I've only been once, but it's, you know, when you're talking about like giant lifted mega trucks, I have no interest in that kind of shit, but you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see it once. <laughs> I'd, love, I'd love to go up to it and be like, huh, all right, that's how you did that. Like, not for me, but that's cool. So, yeah, yeah the, there's uh, all sorts of good stuff coming out this year. There's, like, interior trucks and exterior trucks. Like, if they're outside, literally, that's, like, a different level. And then stuff inside is mostly straight-up manufacturers, and there's wild shit inside. But the wilder stuff is outside. And, man, yeah. Like, I guess, on the one hand, you should... A friend was like reminding us all when we were talking about silly shit we were finding in a four by four group I'm in that like, because like, you know what the weirdest trend is, is those huge lifted like Texas style, you know, like put three feet of lift on a Ford F-250 chrome powder coated and then put like, you know, like 37 inch tires, but on like a 24 inch rim. So there's like no sidewall, like it's like street, like lifted street diesel trucks don't seem to like. I can't imagine what that application is for. What it there was is designed no, for. I mean, Besides there's no application. Cool. Yeah, 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 it's just to look cool. And I yeah. mean that I I am so open to we just ruined our car to make it look cool cultures. 
as long as they're not under laboring under a misapprehension that what they're doing is functional and most yeah. of them aren't you know yeah. it's like same with like donks culture and yeah, yeah. and stance culture all that stuff it's like stance. It's like dogs are beautiful, but stands is stupid. Yeah, yeah. I I don't care, but yeah, those trucks are really I, funny because love... if you look at the structure of them, they're not lifted in a traditional four by four way with like yeah, suspension it's... lifts or new like Dropping a long frames. travel kind of thing. Yeah, a lot of times it's literally just building like a, a superstructure <laughs> underneath like a like a giant ladder frame. There's no articulation gain. It's just about going up. Oh, you know, you know what it's from? It's kind of from the mud hole, like Florida swamp culture. Like where you, right. you literally need to put your truck three feet above where it's at. It doesn't need to do anything different. It just needs to get out of the mud hole. And then you're doing it on the street. It is funny. It's funny. I love people mashing up weird shit. But like like one of the booths, I think, was like a lighting company. I think they have a – imagine like a late 80s Suzuki Samurai slammed on Dayton wire wheels. And it's like a brand new Jeep. And it's covered in LEDs. And all the LEDs sync up. So like – like there's a light bar that like flashes a left turn and everything on the left side of the truck flashes, but it's like slammed on the ground on white walls with wire rims. Oh, and they're tandem too. So sure. It's just, it's just like, it's insanity. And I'm just like, that's rad. The funny thing is it's like every company, they, they're putting a hundred or 200 grand in every build, but it's all a write-off for the company doing it. Like it's not the same, like there's a lot of like end user, I guess, hatred or envy or something and jealousy, I guess. It's just like, why would you spend a hundred thousand on that? And it's just like, it's just a calling card. It was ridiculous. So they got a photo and like, you know, it's all a tax write off anyway for the company. So I, I, I am a, you know, pretty anti-capitalist in my general anxiety levels, but mm. I, I do feel like at this point there is a, like an internet and fandom cultures in general, there is a really def like a rote default why did anyone bother doing anything response to things now that I find deeply infuriating? Like, <laughs> like you, you could be the kind of person that's going to click an article that's about weird cars and trucks at SEMA. And then your response is, why did they spend money doing that? And it's like, why does anybody fucking do anything? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like they just did it because they did it because they have a business. They sell chrome mag chrome wheel polishing and they so they made a car with cool chrome you know like who cares yeah i i, I but i think it's like an internet thing and a and a and a like a a really stupid shorthand that we have for arguments now which is like well why what why, why did you even try and i yeah. am at the end of my rope with that kind of thinking <laughs> like it's it's so it's so poisonous so. in the in the practical range i i did like you know i looked for jeep stuff just for me i looked for for I saw a few things of like specifically for the four by E, which has like a weird because of the batteries, the back end yeah. of it's a little. Did you see a lot more four four XE stuff? Like or a few. Like the coolest one is Quadratech, and someone else made a. Did you see the two door Gladiator? <laughs> they got no, a brand new. They got a brand new four by E. They cut it behind the doors. They bought new new panels from Mopar, like as if they were a collision company, and they put on like a perfect bed, a cab ending to it. Then they took a, a gladiator bed, probably from those people that are just swapping them out for flat beds. They had to extend the front of it like 10 inches, and it just looks clean as hell. Everything is in the stock location. They said they didn't have to do much cutting. Like they said they put the bed on the existing 4xE frame, and like they didn't have to move batteries. The whole thing worked. It's fascinating. I'll put a link in the notes. Like it's dark green, it looks cool as hell. And it's kind of like, man, it's kind of like a perfect little truck for people, although it does have a six foot bed. and. 
Oh, it's like, got those wheels too that I'm always a fan of that that style of like the kind of golden the Subaru a bronze bit, rally like a wheel rotiform sort of yeah, thing yeah, happening. Yeah. 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 That's very attractive. So I'll I did see I did see people making custom stuff for the back end of the four by E so you can make a sleeping platforms. My dog would be happy and stuff like that. But I go to their website, it's not available. They're showing prototypes and stuff. There's a lot of lighting stuff that look cool. Um, it's fun seeing Ford Mavericks pop up. <laughs> There's a couple crazy Mavericks there. Uh, they're just over the top. But yeah, it looks it looks fun. Oh, the coolest thing I saw, Yakima is coming out with a kitchen in a box. And I, I think I've seen Iron Man 4x4 release one a couple years ago. But it looks like a Yeti cooler. Mm-hmm. You you turn it on the side and you flip a, you flip the door down and it's like a table. And it's got drawers and then like tables flip over from the sides and then you have a cook table and you have a sink. And then there's like a, there's a Molly panel on the side where you can hook up water for the sink if you want to run it that way by gravity. Like, and I, I don't know what they said the price might be someday, but like, I was I was super impressed. I was just like- Well, the, the pricing that I see, because first of all, I'm furious because I have decided I'm gonna build a camp kitchen for the Volvo because I'm putting the rooftop <laughs> tent on it. And I was like, well, we're gonna be out for two or three days. I'll just put some, you know, bang together a little 80-20 and some cheap yeah. camp system. And then you were like, hey, you got to check out this Yakima XO open range camp kitchen. It's 1200 bucks for the Ooh, deluxe 750. version. Wow. $750 for the base model. That's uh, too that's much. Pricey. Yeah, that's too much. It's wow. very industrial, like tactical, cool looking. And I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. You know, Yakima is like a brand that... I've never, I would never turn my nose up at anything from Yakima, but I don't exactly think of them as like super premium either. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, you can also find, and it's the same aesthetic, and I'm sure, or I would bet money that their industrial designer ripped it off. There are medical cold cases for military surplus, or you know, the military uses these cases that have like a like a that that gasket seal on the front, but they open from the front, and sometimes they put electronics and things like it's like a computer rack mount system. But the ones I've seen most commonly that are the insulated ones are ones that are used to store medicine hmm. like in the field. I've looked at those a million times. They're actually kind of they're they're a really cool piece of design. They're sort of bad for truck and overlanding things because they're heavy as as hell like yeah. the, the the all of the insulation and it's all like completely overbuilt because it's going on the back of a humvee that you yeah. know is burning <laughs> five gallons of diesel every every mile and like what do you care about weight but that's yeah. that's 100 percent the aesthetic they're going for is that yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. mill spec yeah, wh- the one they showed the show was kind of like tan or white didn't look so tactical and green oh yeah now i see the 1200 version is the one i saw yeah with all the side tables and stuff very cool you can um, also go to walmart and spend 89.99 <laughs> and get an aluminum ozark trail fold-out kitchen that will do 99 percent of what this thing is doing <laughs> it's true <laughs> but it won't be green and look tactical <laughs> Has there been a big industry news lately? I haven't seen very many like big truck launches or anything in the last couple of weeks. Well, the biggest launch was the Ford Transit Trail. So, oh, did uh, it actually come out like with a real? Well, video? It did, it's not like a launch, but yeah, they okay. they announced a lot of a lot of details and and official photos and things. So previously, there had been a Trail Spec Transit in the U, which is kind of like the home of the Transit, the Trans yeah, you know, Ford right. Ford 
deployed that many years in the UK and Europe before we ever got it. Long and the short of it, you know, I think the powertrain is probably the most important part of what they did. So Ford Transit is their full-size van. It's their Sprinter knockoff, I guess, but it's probably, they probably sell more Transits than they do Sprinters globally. And the big takeaway that Ford Pro, which is like the van division basically did is that they, it has all wheel drive. It has a mild lift, I believe, but nothing crazy. Some different plastic cladding around the, the outside. It looks nice, but yeah. it's very specifically, they, they're selling it as something that is for upfitters or for so, somebody that wanted to build out their own interior, which like, great, it makes total sense. But I'm sitting here scanning through it. I believe the MSRP, yeah, $66,000 to get in Jesus. the door just for an you know a sprinter yeah. van that isn't wow. kitted out or whatever holy it's, crap it's pretty it's pretty you're gonna nuts. put 30 to 50 at least and then labor and geez yeah depending on i mean you can do a super minimalist van build for a couple thousand dollars like you, right, you really but like, can but yeah it, insulation it, and then fishing, yeah but if you're gonna like, if you're yeah. gonna go through all of that it it's I think it's the product planner in me is like, yep, sounds great. They're going to sell quite a few. It seems like a good chassis to, to go on. And I think if you're one of the Indiana RV makers, like this is probably doing a lot of work for you that you would have had to have done through aftermarket. But <laughs> as a, for an individual, like if I were going to go build a camper van right now on a transit platform, which is a lovely platform to do it on, I would be looking to spend about 15 grand on a van before I started putting more work into it. Uh, the idea that I'm going to, that my budget starts at 66 grand for what is at the end of the day, a mildly more capable version of any random stripped. transit yeah. that you're going to get. Yeah. Because stripped, stripped ones are like 38 grand or something, you know, 40 Also like vans. Uh, so I've owned a off-road van, although I owned a two wheel drive version of what, of, of a sports, which were the, the high end famous, the ones that Jimmy Buffett lived in were all four by fours, but I have run out with four by four sportsmobile guys and they're very capable for a van, but they're <laughs> yeah. still like, it's still a van. Yeah, van. Yeah. And it's these Ooh. unibody vans like a transit are even less capable than the, yeah. the, the bigger old school body on frame vans. And it's, it's never going to go anywhere crazy. All-wheel drive is certainly nice to be back on mountain roads or snow or some crappy places and getting a little more clearance to get some better tires in. All of that's fine. But for 90% of the people that are doing anything van life, a two-wheel drive van is perfectly fine. So yeah. good for Ford, I guess. It makes sense. I, I actually wouldn't be surprised, though, if fast forward two or three years and this isn't like a big unit seller because I don't see who the customer is besides the RV companies that are already buying transits. Yeah. Wow. Assembled in Kansas city. I didn't even know they had a plant there. Yeah. Um, yeah. They've been, that's yeah, a, yeah, I thought it'd plant. be a five or $10,000 upsell on a $40,000 stripped van. It's got Raptor lights in the grill. <laughs> These yeah. aren't big tires. These are 30 inch tires, just a little chunky, but I think the all wheel drive platform is night and day. Like I have an all wheel drive Maverick and it's like, and I have, I have 20% gravel roads near me and it's great. It's fine at high speeds. It's squirrely as hell, but like leaving the driveway, I never spin tires. It's, it's like, it's great. It's fine. And I'm on like street tires. So yeah. I think it, I think it's like a good system. Like 
Mercedes Sprinter vans, I know from bike racing, we race in it's terrible weather outside right now in the Pacific Northwest. It's like raining and the wind's blowing like crazy. And, you know, I race in, cycle cross. In Oregon, it's raining yeah. and windy. Oh, man. I'm Everyone sorry. cycle cross like covets a Sprinter van because you can like change your clothes inside. You can eat, you can train, you can put up an awning and, you know, cover yourself up from the rain but famously at the end of every race at like three o'clock on a sunday when they're taking down all the course tape you have to if you're cleaning up the course you hang out to help push sprinter vans off flat grass parking right. lots like because we're, we're just racing in fields and stuff and everyone just parks on the grass and there's so many times a two-wheel drive fully kitted out mercedes the sprinter like cannot leave flat ground <laughs> like just spinning one wheel no, I, I think those big vans are great for their job, which is to move things around in cities and be like contractor vans. I still, it's not, you know, the, the funny part about van life stuff, which I've only ever done short runs in it. I've never lived out of a van for months at a time. The extra space is nice in, in that, like, it's nice to have a couple of little zones, but that's really the only advantage. And it is not an off-road or remote solution at all until you throw a bunch of money at it. And I know there's a, it's and that's okay. Right. Like it's still, yeah. it's fine, but it's, it's just, it's just, it's a different thing. And I think a lot of people have the idea that the, they're going to get one of these classy van based things and go way back out in the boonies. And it's like, eh, it's not exactly the same. There's a whole bunch of like solar angle to it, right? Like we're going to be boondocking for weeks. Like this car is self-sufficient, but like in the reality is, like people are driving on, you know, for service gravel roads to get to BLM land, which is a piece of dirt. That's all you're ever going to do in a van. It was actually Ford is kind of keeping it moving. They also launched the or all the first drive programs came out of the Raptor R, the F-150 Raptor R. Yeah. I, I'm curious what you think about it. Like I, I feel like the last gasp of a dying. Like yeah. It feels like Dodge with their last Hellcat kind of like. $110,000 for this massive V8 monster Baja race truck that's gonna be on regular streets <laughs> used by civilians. It's and 108 or 9,000 is the starting base price is crazy. I don't know. This just feels like a weird enthusiast. It feels like the electric Hummer, like a weird enthusiast rich guy car that like nobody can afford. So I don't know who's where it's going to go. I went down a little reverie a couple of months ago trying to see what could you get. Could you get a first or second gen Raptor for a decent price? And you kind of can. You can get a first gen Raptor, high 20s even, if you get like a really high mileage one. And, and apparently they do okay up into higher, higher mileage. But I just kind of kept thinking about it. And, and I've been having the same questions as I look at the, the Ranger Raptor. Is there anything about speeds and the ability to do Baja style jumps that I want in a daily driver. And even though I'll watch every video and, and this Raptor R launch was a perfect example of this, like Ford took them up to the dune up on the west side of Michigan. And it was apparently like a beautiful sunny day and everybody just had this like great late fall, like outdoor hot adventure with their big trucks. And everybody's like, yeah, this truck and celebrating the power and the speed and fun of all these toys. And then it, everybody goes home to their, you know, disparate places all of the U.S. with no particular use for it and writes <laughs> up like a really positive review. And again, you got the money. Who cares? If you enjoy it, who cares? I'm down. But for me, I'm just looking at these kind of things going like, 
you would have to live in the Southwest, I feel like, to have like a, a reasonable argument to be like, I'm going to drive this thing around L.A., you know, to go to my job or whatever. And then I'm going to pop out to the desert and like go run some stuff from time to time. But even then, this seems like a thing where it's like, was the regular Raptor not fast enough? <laughs> like, did it not bounce enough? Like, it seems it seems fine. It seems like they made a product for like Twitter comments or something because it would, you know, the Raptor came out and people are like, oh, it's just like turboed out eco diesel v6 or which makes like 100 more horsepower than the previous v8 and gets better gas mileage. doesn't matter it's not a v8 it'd be nice if they made like a super pro version and that's what they're making but yeah like oh yeah i saw those videos where perfect rooster tails i think this all goes back to the original raptors what like 2011 to 2014 and a, a few car reviewers i know this became like a youtube trope was you could bend the frame if you jumped it, yeah. especially on sand dunes, people like they didn't box in the the main ladder frame, and it like it would you'd actually like see deflection at the bed. So then I remembered when the you know the new Raptor came out in like what 2016 or 17, they had Ken Block launching it like three feet off of dunes and landing hard and saying no bends, buds, <laughs> you know, check it out. So when they put all the Raptor R's on sand dunes again, I was like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> like we're just gonna see them airborne say these things are stronger than they've ever been they're faster than they've ever been you know you have nothing to worry about but yeah at that price and like the capability of a raptor is so already psychotic to make a crazy one is nuts i've seen like looks like bronco raptors are like getting out into the world and seeing videos of those those are also absolutely crazy pants you know like it's a it's a big truck it's way bigger than a jeep and now the raptor one is 10 or 11 inches wider with the mm -hmm. ginormous fender flares and the huge engine like i think a lot of it for me too is just price like honestly yeah. if these things were if these things were dumb and cheap if i could look at it like a miata where i'm like oh i have all these sacrifices but it's cheap and reasonable and it does what it it's gonna do and i don't mean that the raptor r should cost 30 grand but like <laughs> When you start, when you are, when you were cross shopping between a tr uh, 700 horsepower pickup truck and like a 911, or you know, coming up on an S Class or a Corvette, you know, I just, I, it, it this, and look, I, I'm sure plenty of people have the money or don't have the money and are going to buy it anyway. But a mm -hmm. hundred grand to me is just like, I think you've said this a couple of times, like as a child of the 70s, like a hundred grand is basically the most expensive a car could ever be in your brain still. And I, yeah. I'm starting to feel that way a lot. Between that and the fact that availability for all of these things is just becoming impossible, like a big crazy lottery to like get in yeah. line and wait around and then just sort of pay whatever price they demand. Man, I just keep going back and forth on this stuff where it's like I may end up turning into... So a, a friend of mine just bought his 30th vehicle friend of mine that lives in Detroit, he owns like a big old warehouse and he has like 30 crap can vehicles and he doesn't drive most of them. He has too many. I'm not defending his insanity, but the more I've been thinking about stuff and the better I get at maintaining things, the more I'm like, is the future I want actually not just one or two really nice things? Is it like five or six sort of middle of the road things. And I'm, especially on the, on the truck stuff, I'm, that's where I'm going. I, I'm, I'm keeping my powder dry for one of these new trucks next year. And then I just keep looking at it and I'm like, what am I trying to get out of this thing? 
basically I'm just trying to go camping and go on road trips and get decent gas mileage. What, how much gas am I going to save if I could buy a $10,000 used truck versus a $70,000 <laughs> new truck? Like 60 grand is a lot of gas. <laughs> yeah. This is like the thing that's like sucks to me in the electric car revolution, the electrification that I would love if there was a cheap direct to consumer Alibaba, you know, $20,000 sports car that was pure EV and light on features. And all it was rear wheel drive, two wheel drive, maybe 200 horsepower. Uh, you know, like, why isn't that possible? You know, like we are watching computers, we're watching big screen TVs. You can get a 75 inch television at Walmart for like 600 bucks now. Like why haven't, why isn't EV like computerified the auto industry to the point where like, yeah, you should have like a weekend dad car. That's like cheap because it has so less parts in it. You know, yeah. we've seen those hilarious, like ultra cheap $2,000, you know, micro trucks or whatever. But like, where's like someone making like a 240Z, you know, that looks like a 70s 240Z that's $25,000 or something? Like that would be fun as hell. Uh, I think, if, I mean, I think we'll get there weirdly enough, but I think it's still a couple of decades away. I, I think, I think US regulations, first of all, oh, crash are, stuff crash stuff and safety stuff is and then there's also when you come to ev stuff there's more demand than there is supply so you don't have a lot of marginal space to do anything at scale and then i also just think a lot of it is the idea around what people conceive from a safety standpoint like the reality of like there is a i think i can't remember it's a it's got to be a citroen it's a and the the Ami platform, but they did like a ruggedized version of it. And I was looking at it. It looks like a little squash down <laughs> FJ Cruiser. It's awesome. And I think it has like a motorcycle engine or, you know, something like super, super tiny in it. But I was looking at that going, well, that would be perfect for us. But it's it's perfect for us if it were $15,000 or $10,000, yeah. $12,000. If that came to the U.S., nobody would sell something like that for less than... 30 and for 30 you can get a normal car so it's like that pricing yeah. delta is still very weird where these things need to be cheap enough that they're effectively impulse purchases mm -hmm. but it's really hard to get a road legal car at an msrp once you have to do all the safety and regulation stuff but yeah, yeah i agree I, like there, there I, there's got to be something there's got to be like an electric miata or something or like even when i was looking at electric bikes e-bikes but like electric motorcycles a couple of years ago i was like nobody sells i mean there's lots of versions of like motorcycles and scooters no one sells like a beautiful 1960s swoopy metal like red like your idea your ideal idea in your head of what a vespa in a movie from the 1950s would look like that's just pure ev and is like 1500 bucks or 2000 bucks and like we could cover our cities in them they look cool as hell and then when you go to look Vespa has like an EV and it looks utilitarian and crazy and clunky and chunky. And, and you're like, you could literally put the batteries anywhere. You can do anything with the shape and the form. Like it could all be for show. Like, well, and no lots one's... of countries have that. Like lots yeah. of countries have, I mean, the, like East Asian countries, a lot of them have massive scooter networks. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, India is like the home of the single cylinder thumper motorcycle at, you know, with like a 300, uh, not, not 300 liter, 300, <laughs> 300 cc. 
300 cc why yeah yeah keep 300 cc like you know it's like that that there are whole places that do it but we don't we don't have those because the only cities the only places in the united states where that would even work are the cities and the cities mm-hmm. are still defined by car width and infrastructure yeah. and you know they new york is probably the best example and the city bikes here are still very popular most of the scooter fleets and the shared stuff is all kind of evaporated but that's more because of business model things than you know yeah. real utility but a lot of it is just straight up price and access because like for us you know as middle-aged men we can be like yeah you know i wish i could just buy a two thousand dollar vespa that i could bop around on and it would be cheap and easy which i'm sure you can if you get something that's not road legal and just choose to ride it on the road. But, you know, two grand for a lot of people in the city or whatever is a good chunk of change, especially if there's a very good chance that if they park it in the wrong place, a cop's going to come by and impound it. So it was like Crystal was saying to me yesterday when we were talking about potential third vehicles. And she's like, why can't we just buy a golf cart that I can ride to the train station? And I'm like... There's really no reason that you can't, except that we've just decided as a country that we've upped our level of safety to a high laudable level, which I'm like on board with that part. But simultaneously, it means unless it's either a bicycle, which is like the dumbest, most dangerous thing to have on the road along with the car. vulnerable you can be. Yeah. But you can have that thing because it's so primitive relatively <laughs> that we can't. A, yeah. Raptor. Or you can have a, a Ford F, yeah, F-150 Raptor R. But anything in the middle is a bridge too far. That reminds me of my wife, incredulous, when we were car shopping in the early 2000s, that she was like, my 87 Honda Accord got like 38 miles a gallon on the freeway and the new ones get 28. What happened? And I'm like, it's a safety cage. But you know, the equivalent of a go-kart is like a 2012 Nissan Leaf that only has 30 miles on the battery left of life or a Fiat E500. Like those things go for four or five grand in, in they did. Portland. Yeah. But, and they're terrible, but they're fine if you got to drive 20 miles at the most. But yeah. It's funny. Maybe we could take a detour into motorcycles because that's like, I, obviously for our six listeners could tell that I'm barely prepared and that I was working all day before jumping on. But the <laughs> other reason I'm not prepared for everything that's been happening in Chuckland is that I have been talking myself, trying to talk myself into potentially buying another motorcycle because again, I'm holding off on trucks and I'm like, maybe... Even though winter is coming, we have a lot of nice winter days and I just need to get in and out of the city. And I don't, we don't need to go down a whole consideration set of what I am looking at. But part of the rationale of that has been, I, I need, I at least would like small things to get in and out of the city more easily even if it's just a single purpose thing to the point where I'm considering spending five grand on a motorcycle, like which would be a second motorcycle, but my first one doesn't run, just so I can go into the city twice a month or three times a month easily and quickly. And if there were a car that would let me do the same thing, and if it could do 65 miles an hour and had, I don't know, 150, 120 round trip, like, and it cost 15 grand, I would buy it in a heartbeat. And they those exist because when I've been going to the motorcycle shops, they are side-by-sides that are all sitting there. And I'm like, this is what I need to get into Brooklyn is a (laughs) side-by-side. And if I already lived in Brooklyn, 
I would just drive it around like all the bike gangs right, do yeah, 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 already. <laughs> but I know that no one would smile and, and think it was cute that I'm trying to like take a side by side down the Sawmills River Parkway. That was the one of the weirdest things about going to Moab is they're, they have license plates on some side by sides. There's I don't know what the laws are. I've never looked into it. But like some of them are road legal, I guess, if you hit a certain speed and stuff. Like some states allow you to take side by sides on the road. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's not uncommon, especially in the West. And I mean, it, it makes sense too. like if you've got something that can do whatever it can do. I mean, some of them could go way fast, but you know, let's say you can easily do 55. It's just like a farm. It's like taking a tractor up the road. Like sometimes you're going to like have to move your equipment and you're going to go somewhere. That's something that happens constantly up here. Did you see Honda just released the CRF electric kid bike? Like it's like, it's between a CR, CR 50 and a hundred, like, like a two stroke, like little motocross bike for like nine year olds. They made a pure EV one. It only has, I think a 20 mile an hour top speed, but it has a, has a really big engine that could probably be software updated to go as fast as you want. But there's a lot of like YouTube videos. I think it kind of came out in the last few weeks. You can only buy it. You can't buy it online. You have to go to a Honda dealer. I think it's only 2000 bucks, but it is tiny. And so there's a bunch of like 200 pound adults on YouTube riding it around. Various e-bike guys I follow have been riding them and just going like, this thing's got really good suspension, you know, better than any <laughs> e Kind of underpowered, but I feel like that's just software limited and needs some hacking. And maybe in six months, these things are gonna be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Honda's really gone in on the mini bike thing in a way yeah. that nobody else has. And I-, I That's where have... I'm like, they have like fun, what the fuck impulse buy products. <laughs> Like whatever the Honda Navi is is a scooter, guts in a like small like looks like the Honda Grom like a little tiny street but like the big storage in the middle where the engine would be there's no engine it's just like yeah it's it's a scooter that's it's like doctored up to look like a motorcycle less it's only than two like, grand it's only yeah it's less than two, it's eighteen hundred bucks and I think it's like one hundred twenty five cc so you know it's okay and it's fine for city driving but like it's I, fun that they have these things at these price points. Yeah, I, I actually wrote a Grom right when they launched. I uh, borrowed one and reviewed it, and it was it was great. Like the only the only problems I had with it was, you know, I'm over 200 pounds. When I would try to get on the highway, completely wrapped out, I maybe could get like just touching 50 miles an hour, which just <laughs> isn't fast enough. Even in yeah. New York City, is not not fast enough. But you know, it, it, just for bopping around little places, they're they're great. I've been looking at. We are going to go down this road. I've been looking at a lot of the the single cylinder and the three hundred cc class bikes. They're not quite the value that I would like them to be. The KTM three ninety Adventure, KTM three ninety Duke, Husqvarna, Svartpilen, a bunch of those. Those should be $5,000 bikes, but they've all kind of creeped up over the last couple of years to be more like sixty-five, seven thousand. 7,000, which at that point I'm like for 10 grand, I can buy like a 600 CC or bigger bike. Right. So yeah, it's like, that's pretty what's compact. the advantage Are they a lot lighter because of they're like half the size of the engine? Yeah. The benefit of a lot of that size is that the bike frame itself is usually more around like 350 pounds wet. And so they're a lot more nimble mm-hmm. and a lot more comfortable to ride. Well, comfortable, like feel safe to ride, especially for new riders and things like that. And I like a small bike, like dirt bikes and things like that. I- I've tried driving 
big GSs and the yeah. big adventure bikes off road. Yeah. And I'm just not a good enough rider to do it. I like a dirt bike. I can put a, a foot down and, yeah. and you know, and fall and not it feel is like funny. I snap. I've always been neck. a fan of adventure bikes for the last decade, but they started in like the 1200 class, you know, like BMWs. And they went down like 600 CC ish for like desert, you know, Dakar racing. And then now to see like a 390, that's pretty cool. We've all been out in the sticks and seen a guy that like, put one over <laughs> like you gotta get two or three people to help pick up a 1200 with bags and boxes oh on it's it. yeah i mean a 1200 loaded with gear is yeah. every bit of 600 pounds Jesus. wet and it's like there are techniques you can do to like lever it up and yeah, get yeah, like yeah. a certain angle but that works great in a parking lot when you're learning how to do it not so great when you like wipe out in a single track like up the side of a mountain but the, when I had my, I had a midsize GS, I had an F800 GS back when those first came out, like a 2010. And the thing I always said about that bike was I didn't really like it that much off-road, uh, both for the class and th that, that bike in particular was a little light up front. But the thing that it was awesome at, and I think why this class is so good for so many people, is that it is the suspension is so tall and the, it can soak up bad roads. And I... I'm certainly not the first one to have this opinion, but I am convinced that a huge reason that the off-roadification and the overlandification of American vehicular mobility is happening is because our roads keep getting shittier and shittier and shittier. <laughs> and it's like, you know, especially on a motorcycle, you know, you if you hit a bad pothole and you don't have a good suspension, like you're 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 over. Like that's, I wonder, if really there's a, wonder if there's a parallel trend that I'm seeing in the bike industry, which is gravel bikes, taking a road bike, putting knobby tires on it, and then going off onto forest service roads is like wildly popular now because huh. in America, because um, riding your road bike on a road with cars can get you killed. And if you're just riding on a farm road by yourself, like you're gonna see one car an hour and it's like yeah. so much less stressful and it's actually fun to just like, you just feel free when you do it. And like, it's the fastest growing segment in like fitness bikes right now. And it's like kind of because America sucks so bad on infrastructure. I know you're an avid cyclist, so forgive me, but I now having moved to a county where all the roads are 400 years old in their width and patterns, and then being in a place where there's a lot of like fancy bike guys, I have started to catch myself. I'm fighting it so far. Stay tuned. But I am turning into the guy that's like wanting to lean out the window and be like, get a different hobby, you piece of shit. Like oh, the number yeah. of times I've been caught behind cyclists now who are on these back roads. And on, on one hand, I'm like, you should enjoy this just as much as everyone else. And on the other hand, I'm like, you realize that like, these roads aren't big enough for two cars to pass each other. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do when I'm coming up beside you when there's no shoulder. Like, you have to be on the road to do it. So, yeah. Well, it, it reminds me of like visiting friends in Vermont, where it's like, this is such a beautiful place. It has such like a massive network of gravel roads and mountain biking is getting good. And then friends like, I really want a road bike. And I'm like, I would never do it. I would never set out on all. Every single road is a two lane road with high speed traffic and no shoulder and like it's and they're, they're ancient roads. Yeah. And it's it's horrible. Like, yeah, it's not conducive. I hardly ever ride road bikes anymore. Like on I have, you know, a nice gravel bike and mostly do gravel roads.
Last thing I want to talk about is Ultimate Adventure two things. Have you ever heard of Ultimate Adventure? You know, it's like the four-wheeler magazine thing they've been doing for like 20 years. They they go out somewhere in the country. It's like a secret and you drive. You do like really, really hardcore wheeling. Like they'll have industry people, they'll have some readers show up and they have all these minimum, you know, tech needs for builds. Like you got to have 35 or 37 inch tires. You have to have all this stuff winches everything it's been fun to watch over the years because sometimes they're on the east coast sometimes they're in alaska sometimes they're in moab the one i think it just happened and i think it was in tennessee they haven't posted any videos yet motor trend will probably put out a series like in a week or two because it was like almost a month ago but there are two things that are rad about it one of them is let me see if i can find it in their builds one of them was a quigley built overbuilt a van there it is i mean these things are like buggy trails like gnarly ass like rubicon trail like yeah no, like real metal real crunching nasty. psychotic yeah. like like winching up a wall like and and this is like a ford van on i think 35s or 37s and you can watch it i've seen a few videos from participants where it's bopping around it's hanging with them and stuff and like with a long wheelbase it's crazy and the other thing i reached out to dave Chappelle, who did it he was the dirt everyday co-host that got fired last month and he he built like a, a tribute Jeep to the show. And then, uh, and I know he didn't put bead locks on it. And this is a crazy high end four by four thing where everyone's running bead locks. And he was using the new uh, Method bead grip wheels that Method sent him. So I just asked him at the end of the week, hey man, I just bought some. I'm, I'm so curious. Did it survive Ultimate Adventure? Because that is like people lose beads even on bead lock wheels. They're like, they're pushing things to the absolute limit. He said, he aired his things down to six to eight pounds for the entire week, never lost a bead. And it's not a bead lock, and he's hard wheeling a Jeep. This is probably like a TJ from the late 90s. Uh, now, so is it they, the wheels just have like, uh, do they have like a grip pattern on the inside that just holds onto the, the edge yeah, of the rubber? All it is is a normal method wheel, but where the bead sits at the edges before it curves up, it just has a bunch of ridges. That's all it is, it's just a bunch of ridges. I've heard. The, guy, the guys at Les Schwab said it was a pain in the ass to mount my tires. Like, the mounting is terrible, but then once it's... Like, yeah, it won't slip off the bead. But, I mean, he hard-wheeled for a week at 8 pounds. Like, I was nervous about going below, like, 15 pounds pressure and these new wheels. Now I'm not at all. <laughs> like, like he, he abused the hell out of it and said it held up. And I was like, man, it's not just marketing. Like, wow, those, it's just these little metal ridges actually work. And, uh, That's awesome because yeah. beadlocks are such a pain in the ass. Yeah. To, like once they're on, they're on. But if you have if you have a blowout or a tear, like then you got <laughs> to deal with that. Thirty two nuts and then yeah. yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, else before we wrap it up, nothing news wise. Like it's all the same old stuff. Like I I've been going through a bunch of reveries of like looking for a used truck. I've been looking for things. Do I want to go from the ground up? Like I still I still don't know. But the the winds are the winds are blowing. Part of it's just like I've been mostly off i took a sabbatical towards the end of the year even though i've been working a ton <laughs> despite that and every time i do that like it kind of gives me a couple of free hours a day to like poke around and i just got that itch i've got money in my pocket and i'm like what do i want to get into so i will say plug-in hybrid oh, i'm a month into owning a plug-in hybrid jeep i just passed 1600 miles on the clock i my it was dropped off a truck with 10 miles on it i have bought fuel twice I filled it up twice. I like, I do like one, you know, hundred mile trip a week to Portland and back and errands, but 
every day I'm doing like five to 10 mile like trips in town to like go run a, you know, do an errand or something. And it's been great. I'm just running on pure electric, like 90% of the time, the fuel gauge says I'm getting 35 miles a gallon, but they, they, I mean, EV stuff is basically infinity, but they set it as 49 miles a gallon. So that's like 20 from the engine and 49 from the electric. So the average right now is like 35 miles or so per gallon, but like, it's amazing. It like, it's does, does what it's supposed to do. I think it like totally plays into like all the needs you had, which was like, you can do road trips and then city trips are basically free. Well, the problem is with this, I, I I've kind of come to realize is that because of supply chain, because of just where we're at in the cycle, even if any of these, like, I think there's a very good chance that Tacoma, the gen four Tacoma will have a hybrid powertrain mm-hmm. option. The rumors are saying it's going to be the high end trim, not a low end trim, just like the RAV4 Prime. Right. Yeah. So with the price premium with Tacoma, plus a high end trim, plus their new, they just announced their higher than high end trim, which is called the Caps Trail Hunter. I think it's called the Trail oh. Hunter trim. And it's, hmm. and you know, the Trail Hunter trims are going to be slightly nicer than the top end current trims, but they mm-hmm. also will have like optional aftermarket with warranty support, just like Ford and Mopar yeah. does now for yeah. Jeeps. But anyway, when it's all said and done, it's like, I'm looking at that and I'm going, okay, so that truck is probably going to be 70 grand out the door <laughs> easily Jesus, for a midsize. And it's probably something that won't come out until at least next fall and maybe well into 24. Yeah. And true. So now I'm just going, what's the worst that can happen? I spend like five grand on a beater and drop another 10 grand into fixing it up. And then if I get to when those trucks launch and I'm like, no, I now want the new truck. Fucking great. I'll buy the new truck then. But like at this point, it's getting to be like, what do I want to do? Like. I want to do the trips. I want to do the stuff. I don't want to just sit around, which is also why I'm putting that rooftop tent on the V90 and going to build a little slide out for camping. And like (laughs) that, that's all I need, you know, at the moment for all the hiking and and camping that we're doing. But that's, that's where I've been wasting my time right now. And in fact, I'm doing, I haven't even told you this, but I basically on Facebook, I look up stuff in Kansas city because I'm like, I have people in Kansas city. Mm that can go look at things for me. And then I've been looking at stuff in Oregon because I'm like, all right, like, you know. I got, I got nothing else to do. Yeah, it's like how he'd go look at a truck for me and let me spend the night and come drive it home. But, oh yeah, uh, I'd pick you up in the airport and then we could take mm-hmm. you out to it. Yeah, no problem. We create our first video content. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be compelling <laughs> we're, we're stuff. We're pivoting to TikTok. I did actually get a build date for an, uh, Rivian R1S. I couldn't Oh, you didn't it. cancel. I thought you I, I thought didn't you cancel. I was all ready to cancel. And then my wife's like, I mean, those look pretty nice. How many miles does it get? And I'm like, 300-ish. It's a pretty big battery. She's like, hmm, I don't, that looks cool. <laughs> like, she's not what? a big, she's not a status seeker. She, I mean, I thought she would see it and go, hey, it looks like a Range Rover. It looks like a rad, like, luxury SUV. She was just like, that'd be better than my gas car, my SUV. Like, I got a date, February to March, 2023. It's supposed to show up. That'll be three years after, be over three years since I put money down on it. And then I think the plan is she drives it for a week. And if she doesn't like it, we just flip it online for 40 grand more or something. And if she likes it, we sell her Volvo for whatever, same price. I don't know. 
No, I think that's a safe bet. Like I, the the big regret that I've had here for a while is that I keep, you know, I can I can afford to spend five hundred bucks or have it floating out in the ether, yeah. and I'm like, why am I not reserving all of these vehicles? I should have <laughs> no. done that years ago because I can totally afford to like get the financing and flip it and do it. So yeah, like yeah, I wish your... I had a, a Toyota whatever the GR like the little Corolla stick shift, a Nissan 400Z, all these things were announced a year or two ago and they wanted, yeah. you know, 500 bucks, a thousand bucks. I should have put money down on every single one because it's like half of them are fun and I wish I'd owned and half of them are like quick sell. Yeah, I did actually, and I won't tell you about it, but I did drive the new 86 and the headline is, it's good. Oh, cool. I like it. But yeah, I know. I think you're making a smart bet with the Rivian. Like what's, what's worse that's going to happen? Like you love it and you keep it and then you have it or... Yeah, you make a little bit of extra cash for a tiny bit of trouble. I, I think yeah. these are all safe. Bets. And I was like, this is, she has a Volvo v- XC60. This is way more capable than that. I'm never going to wheel a, a electric Rivian because I don't want to like tear open the batteries on a rock. But this would be like seven, three row, seven passenger, super nice, you know, looks nice, comfortable, goes over 300 miles. Like, yeah, I think it's a winner. 